We're good. Good evening, good evening, good evening. Well, so Pastor reminded me on Tuesday that um, I was preaching this week. I had a text that I found it eventually from May. I don't remember. I remember reading it now, but I don't remember read. I read it as July, so I thought I had another month. But um, but the good thing was that I already gotten something out of my out of my devotions the week er, earlier or late last week that I just written down. It's just something to look at, just as a just as a question. Um, so we'll we'll start out there, but. So for the guys who are preaching, I mean, not that you shouldn't be doing it, we should be doing our devotions anyway, but um, writing stuff down when you do your devotions is really handy, especially if you have to preach a little quicker than you anticipated mentally. Um, so the first place we'll go to, so what the, so the, we'll start with uh, three or four, a couple of verses, and then we'll jump into the main text, but, and we'll see, you'll see very quickly, um, where I'm going. So we'll go, we'll go to Isaiah chapter 65. Isaiah 65. In verse 17. For behold, I create new heavens and new and a new earth, and the and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. Then jump over to 66. Verse 22, Isaiah 66, 22. For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, saith the Lord, so shall your seed remain. Then there's going to be, we're going to go to one more. Revelation 21, 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. Totally unrelated but I've often wondered, you know, when we, when, if, say, the, the new heaven and new earth were, are the same size as this one, how are all the people that are saved going to fit on it? That's a lot of people. And then it just kind of hit me, well, there's going to be no more sea. Because right now, the sea is 70% of the, the ocean, not in counting lakes, the ocean is 70% of the earth's surface. So that's a So without the ocean... That leaves approximately, if there's 8 billion people that are going to be on the earth after the rapture and after the millennium, that's about 15 acres a person. So for, the, so for my family, we'd get about 90 acres. <laughs> Just, you've got to break it down into something you can figure out. And then the last plate, hey, inquiring minds want to know. And if you ever want to really stump a medical professional, just start asking questions. And I, want, I, want, I, I ask a lot of questions. That's part of my job. I'm an accountant. So it's just my job just to ask questions. But I like knowing why. So, it, it's, so when you read your Bible, look at it occasionally. You know, ask yourself some questions. And then go to Revelation, uh, 2 Peter 3.13. I was told to breathe heavy into the microphone at least once, by the audiovisual guys. Maybe pound on the pulpit a couple of times. 3.13, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. So in case you haven't figured it out, that, 
it has to, my message has to do with that. But that, those are the four times that new heaven and new earth show up in the Bible. Four. That's it. Um, two of them are in the Old Testament and Isaiah. Two of them are in the New Testament. Um, what the one in Revelation is back, forward-looking but backward-looking. And uh, this, the one in Second Peter is the one that I'd like to focus on. And actually, my message, honestly, comes from the notes that were in my Bible when I read through this three and a half months ago. So the last time I had read through Second Peter, I had made some notes on this chapter that really, that really stuck out to me. Um, but one thing, um, you know, this whole chapter has to do with the promises of God and how we, how we live our lives, but in the benefit. So honestly, if, if there is no benefit or if there's no application to what's in the Bible, why do we read it? If, if this Bible is just another book, I've got plenty of books to read that I haven't read more than once. Um, so if this Bible has no personal application, you might as well just use it to hold your coffee table up. I'm not suggesting that because this, this book does have application day, day in and day out. Um, but, you know, over and over again, I'm reminded that the Bible offers hope. Um, the world doesn't have any of that, in case you haven't been paying attention. Even before COVID, people are always looking for hope. And the Bible's full of it. You just, you just have to take the time to look for it. So let's, let's pray, I'm gonna, I'll read, then I'll read uh, my text, and then we'll get started. Dear Father, I thank you that we can come tonight. I thank you for how you speak to, you, to us through your word. I thank you that you care for us and you love us. I also... Uh, thank you that you convict us and you show us things when we do studying, just how your Bible fits together and help us never to take that for granted. Help us to always be looking, always be studying, and always paying attention uh, to what you're trying to teach us. I thank you for your goodness to us. Your name I pray. Amen. So let's, let's start at verse, I'm going to read the whole chapter 3, and then we'll then we'll. Then we'll go into the message. So, this second epistle, epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words that were spoken before by the holy prophets, and of the commandment of us, the, of the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last day scoffers, walking after their own lusts. That's today. And saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they are willingly ignorant, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that what then was, being overflooded with water, perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word, are kept in store." Reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day with the Lord is as a thousand years, as in a thousand years is as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward usward, to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But, but, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, which, by the way, for those of you who are children of the 80s, that, those were scary movies. 
I think I got saved 10 times in the 80s. Um, and for those of you laughing, you know, those are scary movies. Uh, but anyway, totally unrelated. Now, where was I? Uh, with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also and the works that are also therein shall be burnt up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of, men, of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being then on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, global warming. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent, that ye may be found in him in peace, without spot, and blameless, and account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Even as our beloved Paul, brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware, lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfast, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory in both now and forever. Amen. I don't know if, you're, if you were paying attention or if I emphasized it enough, but three times the word seeing is mentioned in this passage. Verse 11, verse 14, and verse 17. But another thing I noticed, you know, the, you know Aaron mentioned pastor's three points this morning. Um, the Bible uses threes quite a bit. I mean, Jesus, you know, you know, um, James 1.19, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. That's three things you should or should not do. Romans 14.17, from the kingdom of God is not righteousness, is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Um, this passage, there's three earths. There's the pre-flood earth, there's the earth wherein we live, and then there's the new one. I never saw that before until I was just reading it now. But... There's three, there's three earths. So there's three everywhere. But why do I point that out? Because there's th three words. Is, I, think, I think the United States military did something where three words everybody can remember. It's enough to get the point across, but it's also words that we can remember. If you give me ten, I'm not going to remember any. You tell me three things to do, I can do them all and do them well. Uh, the Marines, it's duty, honor, country. Another example less noble, Nike, just do it. Um, De Beers, diamonds are forever, that's three words. Um, Chick-fil-A, all near and dear to some of our hearts. Eat, <laughs> eat more chicken, and at the other end of the spectrum, where's the beef? There's three, hey, we can all remember three words. I can give three words to almost anybody who can speak, and they can give them back to me. I give them 10, I'm going to get the, it's just how we are. I don't, so I'm not saying, but you, and you have wondered, three points in a poem. Why is that? Because that's how God talks to us. I'm not saying that if pastor gives a six-point message that he's out of the will of God. <laughs> no, because in Proverbs it says, these six things does the Lord hate, and seven are an abomination. 
And then in, the, in Matthew, Jesus says, but woe unto you Pharisees. It, that's not a three-point message. I think that's five or six, if I remember correctly. Maybe it's seven. But either way, three is something that our, our feeble minds can understand. So in this passage, there are three times that there's, uh, where it mentions the word seeing. And where I think this fits is it says see, things that we should see to before, the, before there is a new heaven and a new earth. These things are important. You know, um, there was a, it escapes me, but, you know, this see to is something that we don't, is an old English. We don't use that very often anymore. It's now we would say make sure or did you do that? Did you take care of that? Um, so, but let's go to verse uh, 11 through 13. So we'll get, we'll get back into the heart of the message. The, so that those, those middle three, the phrases, those were free. Um, the phrase, but let's go to 2 Peter 3, 11 through 13. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening unto the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire must be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. The thing that jumped out to me is it's whole, it talks about holy conversation. What manner of persons you ought to be in holy conversation? Things are temporary. If you don't think so, your youth is temporary. Um, my knee didn't hurt two weeks ago. It hurts today. I don't know why. I didn't do anything weird. I just existed for 14 more days. Now my knee hurts. So pain-free knees apparently is temporary. But that life, all of our things are temporary. Your, your car, your, your house, your whatever, your, especially your car, uh, is temporary. But people are the only thing that live forever, besides God. How are you investing in people? Um, all the other stuff is going to melt with a, fer with a fervent heat. It's a thermal nuclear explosion. That's the only thing that can, I don't know if that's what it is. You know, I, I heard in Bible college, well, the stuff in Daniel, that was really nukes. I don't know, don't care, honestly, because God, he did a lot of things with just his voice. So he doesn't need a nuclear warhead to do a lot of the stuff that's in, in Revelation. He just says it and it happens. So that was the first point, very short. So for Gary, so we're in, we're in good shape. However, the second point's a little longer. So go to Second Peter, so we'll go to 14 through 16. So the first point is just be whole, people are important. The other piece is, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that she looked for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless, and account that the, law, and account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. So in, the, in this point, there's three things that we should be diligent to attend to. And that's in verse 14. Um, as we look forward to, the, Lord, to the, uh, the return of the Lord. So be found of him in peace. 
So that's the first one that we need to be diligent. Let's go to Romans 14, 19. In this verse, it came to my mind immediately as I read that. I read this. Um, let therefore these this this whole pre- ch- chapter is talking about dealing with weaker believers and a, a whole bunch of stuff that's just good for, good practice. But verse nineteen, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherein one may edify another. If there's a peaceful way to settle a situation, why do we have to go to hammer and tongs and have an argument just because you are smarter than them? You don't. That, that's not making for peace. Um, and some of these points, I'm not preaching at you. I am preaching to me and you. But, um, but there's, there's a lot of this stuff. In, it's, let's go to 2 Corinthians 13, 14. We're just going to a few verses on peace. Well... Let's not go there because that verse is not what I that verse is not what I'm talking about. James 3:14. I know 3:18. Let's go to James. Well, chapter 1:18 is not the one I was looking for either. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace, of so, is sown in peace of them that make peace. If you look in your Bible, how often peace and righteousness are together? Um, you cannot have peace without righteousness. Um, totally unrelated, but it's it's linked there also. So let's go another another one. First Timothy two twenty two, and this one was. Flee also youthful lusts, but follow after righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And this one reminds me of you can't have peace with the lost world. You can coexist with the lost world, but you cannot have peace. Righteousness is, a, is the precursor to peace. Um, I'm not saying you should be fighting with your lost neighbors. No, because you are still a Christian. But that doesn't mean that may not that may mean that you're held to a higher standard in their eyes because you do have Christ living in you. Um, peace is always linked with righteousness, and then peace is the peace with the believers is the key as we approach the coming of the Lord, and it's one of the hallmarks of the disciples. This word doesn't mention peace, but it's John. Let's go to John, John chapter thirteen. Verse 12. Uh, well, let's go up to verse 34. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. 
by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Um, that one, you know, you look around, the world, the world, the world's a mess. Um, it's, it's crazy. The only way we're going, the only way we're going to be different is if we have love for each other. And I think we do in this church. But, you know, there are times when your family drives you nuts. I have four, I have three brothers and sisters. I have four children. It's not all, we're not all singing, standing around the campfire singing Kumbaya. (laughs) There are times in my house, especially when we were younger, they were younger, it was, uh, we don't dare have a fire saying, you know, because one of them might end up in it because they got pushed or, you know, somebody's mad at somebody. But peace is what our, our houses as Christians should be known for as, as peace. That's what, that's what I want my house to be. All too many times the neighbors, you don't want the neighbors hearing yelling and screaming like you hear. You know, I live in a pretty good neighborhood, but my word, there was a couple couple weeks ago, somebody was having a, whew, and they were using some words I hadn't heard in a while um, from a couple of streets over. Um, you don't want, first of all, you don't want anybody hearing those words come out of your house. Second of all, they don't want to hear your voice three blocks over because your sister or your brother or your wife or your husband is a moron. We all know that your husband or your wife or your children are a moron in that particular time, but that's, that's something that you should probably keep in-house. Um, <laughs> let that be your little secret. Um, but peace, and then Romans 14, um, you know, let's, back to you know, Romans 14, let's go to verse 19 again. Seventeen through nineteen again. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that is in these things service Christ is an acceptable to God. Let us therefore follow after the things that make for peace. Um, peace is a choice. Peace is a choice. Peace in your house when there's saved people, it's a choice. So the first thing we should look to is peace or be diligent to his peace. The second one is without spot. To me, this speaks to sanctification and holiness. Um, there is nothing, this is, this is one of the few times in the Bible that we're, with this, this phrase is, well, we're, we're shown without spot. What does that mean? But I, to me, it's sanctification and holiness. But what is sanctification, sanctify is mentioned 70 times and it speaks to cleansing. According to Webster's 1828 dictionary, Sanctification is the act of making holy, in, the, in an evangelical sense, the act of God's grace by, the, by which the afflictions of men are purified and alienated from sin and the world and exalted to a supreme love of God. Um, it's holiness. Be diligent to be holy. You know, like the kids spoke about, you know, electronics and all the distractions aren't something that kids have to deal with. All of us have to deal with. Everything is so accessible. My watch, my, I just, I just broke a watch. I, somebody said, are you going to get a iWatch or Apple Watch or whatever they're called? No. I get too, too many ways for people to get in touch with me. But I don't need one more distraction. And for those of you that have them, I'm not saying you're in sin. I'm just saying for me, there's already 15 ways for people to get in touch with me. I'm not strapping one to my body. Um, <laughs> I'm just... 
I'm just just being honest. Um, sanctif- but sa- so the next, th- but the next thing is just sanctification. This that was totally free. Uh, the next one is sanctification. But look to John seventeen seventeen, and talk, look, just a few verses on sanctification. Uh, let's go to verse 16. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify. This is Jesus praying about us. So remember that. This is Jesus praying about us as he's getting ready to die. This is one of his last words. You'll, note, <clears throat> you'll notice this is one of the last times before he's portrayed. This is one of his last words. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. If you're not in your Bible, you don't have a prayer of sanctification. And if you're not in your Bible, well, I read, I read a Proverbs a day, and I've been saved for 25 years. I got news. You're in trouble. You need more than a proverb a day. Um, we cannot, you know, as the world gets crazier, you need more Bible, not less. I'm not saying, if God's telling you to read three chapters, that's between you and God. But I'm pretty sure if you've been saved for 20 years, chapter of Proverbs every day, is that you're just picking off the kids' men, kids menu. Time to pick something at the back. It's a little more expensive, meaning you got to work for it. But I think it's worth it. Uh, let's go to Ephesians chapter five. Another thing of that talks about sanctification. Ephesians chapter five, verse twenty-five. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church, and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself, for no man yet hateth his own flesh." but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. That verse, every time I read that, it's, it shoots in the head the, well, you need to love yourself more. No, you don't. You need to get sin out of your life, then you won't hate yourself as much. Sin causes you to hate what's in your body either the sin that somebody else did to you, and there's victims of those things, that will cause people to hate their body. It's, you know, it just happens. A terrible crime happens to somebody. They are going to hate things that remind them of that. But when you do terrible things, you're going to hate them, and you're going to say, oh, I hate myself. No, you don't. The Bible says you don't, and you can't. You hate the sin and its consequences. I hate sin and its consequences. I'm not a big fan of sin and its consequences. Do I still sin? Oh, yeah. Should I stop? Absolutely. And does I get, do I get reminded every once in a while with the heavenly two-by-four? Absolutely. But sometimes it's that still small voice that says, Hey, genius, we've talked about this. And that one, that one's kind of painful, honestly. Um, but it's also, as husbands love their wives and gave themselves for it, that takes work. Jesus Christ gave work to sanctify us. 
sanctification takes work. You just don't decide, I'm going to be sanctified today because that's going to be the time that you lose your, your ever-loving mind and yell at somebody you shouldn't or something happens to your car or a window breaks or the dog got out or what, you know, you just spent $1,000 you didn't intend on. You know, I can, give you, I can give you the list of stuff that happens to me that makes me blow my stack. Uh, my kids can give you a better one. But um, sanctification takes work. Um, and the marital relationship takes work. Uh, Jesus didn't just say, oh, you're saved. He sent his son down. So the same thing, the marital relationship takes work. Now, that point of emphasis was not in the message. But it's important. It takes work. It takes work by both people. It takes a lot of work some days. You know, it's not all sunshine and roses. You know, we, my wife and I have been coming up on our 25th anniversary. We've had some, we've had some great times. We've also had some, whew, prefer not to go through that again. Not too many of those, but hey, we've been married a while. And so if anybody that says they never had those, were you ever home? <laughs> my wife and I never fight. Do you know who, where she lives? I'm not saying you should be fighting all the time because that's a different problem. I mean, but if you never have a disagreement with somebody, do you, do you even know who they are? But anyway, totally unrelated. That was free. Uh, but the scripture says the, the scripture is the only way you have a, any sanctification. Um, and, you know, and every time, I don't, without fail when I read that passage, I think of, well, you need more. I automatically think of you need more self-esteem. No, you don't. You need more God esteem. And it'll fix a lot of those problems. And then the last one that was in verse, I think it was 14, it says blameless. Now this one, I, I got excited as I was preparing the message because I'd never seen it before, This what I'm about to share with you. But you know, without it, blameless, the definition according to the 1828 dictionary, without fault, innocent, Guiltless, not meriting censure, not meriting censure. Um, for those of you, so for those who may not know, the 1828 dictionary is the closest thing we have. Webster's 1828 dictionary is the closest thing we have to when the Bible was translated. Word definitions in a dictionary published today is different than dictionaries published 200 years ago. Just words have changed. And that's so a lot of times when I don't know what to do, if, that, if, it, if the scripture appears contradictory, look at the dictionary definition. From, it's, you can just Google Webster's 1828 Dictionary, and there's, there's an app for it. There's, it's on the Internet. I think it's unabridged on the Internet, um, but it's a good choice. But how do we become blameless? Um, and this one, this one kind of struck me. Go to Philippians. Chapter 2. In verse 14. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Now anybody that's had kids, you've said that out loud. At least I have. And then the, the companion verse is, And when the people complained, displeased the Lord, and he heard them, and he destroyed and. And he nuked them. That's the, my version. 
but that's Numbers 11.1. 1. But I've never, I've always stopped at verse 14. That ye, may be blameless and harmless. So when we're murmuring and we're disputing, we're saying, I'm not blameless. When we're saying it's my way or the highway, you're not blameless. You're in sin. I'm in sin. That's what the Bible says. That's not David's words. That's the Bible's words. When we are acting like a bunch of two-year-olds, and I'm not saying this with anything in mind. This is, this is, most of this is me. At least, I may not say that stuff out loud, but there's stuff in my head that, you know, if you've heard the voices in my head, you wouldn't want me up here. Um, when we're doing the murmuring and the disputing, even when nobody can hear us, you're in sin. Period. And as we get closer to Jesus Christ coming back, the more we do murmuring and disputing, the more we look like everybody else. Because, trust me, the world can't do anything. They can't even do stuff they want to do without murmuring and disputing. They can't even decide. You look at the people on the far left who would love nothing better than to destroy our country and torch it as quickly as possible. They can't even agree on the best way to do that. Because they're just... The, the, Satan is not known for his unification. As Christians, we need to be unified, especially in light of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Um, the only way to be blameless is to eliminate murmuring and disputing. And that's why, you know, I think, um, I think one of the rules that the Bob Jones Handbook, and I think it was gone by the time I was there, was griping will not be tolerated. Why? Because griping shows a lack of faith. You're saying, God can't take care of me, so I have to complain about it. Yes, it is hard to, you know, get steamrolled, so to speak, sometimes. It's no fun. Dealing with people, no fun. Um, but that's why God dealt with, that's why Numbers 1, it says, and he heard them and he slew them. It's not because they were, he didn't kill as many people for, I don't know how many people. He, he, yes, he killed people for the, you know, the hypocrisy of this, just of Aaron's words. This is not in my notes either. But I threw in the gold jewelry and out popped this calf, and then we decided to do inappropriate things around a fire. How, that's quite a leap there, buddy. Um, how did, so God killed people for that. But then later, he killed a whole bunch of people, and he said some new thing. And he opened up the earth. I'm not saying if you murmur and just gripe in church that there's going to be a big crack that goes down to the middle of the earth and you're going to be swallowed up. I'm not saying that. But, you're, you know, I, I'm not saying that, but you'll pay the price in your kids. Your kids will go to the dogs. There's people that used to go to this church who did a lot of griping and complaining, who are my age. Those kids are my age. You know what? Those kids don't even know where church is now. They've gone to the dogs. So, yeah, I, I, it's, it'd be, honestly, it'd be better for them if the earth did swallow them up so their kids had a prayer of getting it right. 
not saying that I want that, but you will pay the price. Um, and thankfulness, encourage thankfulness in your kids. It drives me, I mean, my kids know if they want to get dad mad, eliminate the grateful attitude. That is the, that is the way to get hammered. I will, it, you know, that, that verse in James, every good and perfect thing. Excuse me. Uh, pulled pork is coming back to me. Um, every good and perfect thing. It doesn't say most or some or the stuff that you couldn't have done yourself. That means the things you think you're good at. That came from God. Well, let me read the verse. Every good, every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights, within whom is, <clears throat> is no variableness nor shadow of turning. That came from him. Um, your money or your lack thereof, that came from God. Um, it says, to those who would be rich, trust not in uncertain riches. They're uncertain. Look at the stock market today. People that had a million dollars in their 401k on January 1st might be lucky to have 600000 today. You say, that's a lot of money. You know, it's not. Inflation is a great way to equalize how poor everybody is. Um, and just, if you don't think that you can trust God because you have money, you don't have to trust God because you have money, guess what? God can just make everything more expensive. Or your car can break down with greater frequency. I've seen that a few times. Or your uh, washing machine can just suddenly decide to spew 10 gallons of water all over your dining room. Or, you know, God can take, you know, the Lord giveth and the Lord hath taken away. I said that about Job. There have been times when I have watched what I thought was the XYZ fund turned in to replace the thing I didn't know was broken fund. We've all been there. It can turn four or $5,000 or whatever the number that is important to you into zero quickly. Um, just more random thoughts with David. But um, Psalms 104, just the importance of gratefulness. Psalms 104. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and praise and bless his name. You want to be, you want to be encouraged? Look at how many times David says thank you. Um, and this is why my kids know that grateful, lack of gratefulness I don't like. Romans one twenty one, Because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful and became vain in their imaginations and their foolish hearts was darkened. That leads into a whole different realm, but lack of great thankfulness. Uh, Colossians 3.15, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Why does God tell us to be thankful all the time? Because we're ungrateful. That's why he tells us to be thankful all the time. Why do you, you know, why do you have to tell a two-year-old to brush your teeth every day? Or because they forget, because they're two, they don't. They they would they would leave the they'd leave the stove on if you let them cook. Which I'm not advising having a two-year-old cook. That's that's a bad idea. But two-year-olds do dumb things. But so do adult people. We need to be reminded of that. And then the so so the first two things we should see is you know the elements are going to melt with a fervent heat. 
people are the important thing. Second thing is things we should be diligent about. Um, we should seek peace. We should have, we should be holy. I mean, we should be, uh, and, and then uh, blameless. That blameless one is key. And then the last thing we should see is we go to 2 Peter 3, 17 through 18. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing that you know these things before, beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. It's things we shouldn't lose. We shouldn't lose our steadfastness. What does steadfast mean? It means to be fast, fixed, firm, firmly fixed or established. Steadfast as in the globe of the earth, constant, firm, resolute, not fickle or wavering. That not fickle or wavering is the opposite of today. I have never seen a time where something I know to be true only lasts about 36 hours. Well, that's what we did last week. We don't do that anymore. Um, Let's, I'll, I'll read these last three. 2 Corinthians 1, 7. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the suffering, so you also sh shall ye be of the consolation. Hebrews 2, 2. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received just recompense of the reward, and then go to uh, Hebrews 6.19, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, be steadfast, sure and steadfast, and enter into that within the veil. Our hope gives us something that the world does not have. We can be steadfast and sure. We don't have to be the double-minded man in James chapter 1. James, a double-minded man is un, un, unstable in all his ways. It's, but you know what it is? You know what, in context, you know what that's talking about? That's talking about asking for wisdom. If you're, if you're double-minded, you won't even know how to pray right. Let's go to that real quick, and then we'll, then we'll jump to the end. But James, uh, James, one verse five. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. That giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. What's the next verse? But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea, driven by the wind and tossed. If you're not steadfast, you can't even pray right. <laughs> that just because you're be praying for the wrong thing, probably. So just stick, you know, stick to what you know. Don't, let's not try for something new. The Bible's full of stuff that's at least 2,000 years old. Let's stick to that. Um, you know, and, and so and just in conclusion, you know, there's, there's three things that we should see as, the, as we head towards the new heaven and the earth, new earth. And honestly, we are closer than ever, I certainly hope. If it gets, I, you know, I know we haven't seen any half half man, half horse with the tail of a locust lately, and we won't. But, man, there's, we've seen a lot of other stuff that's in the last few books. Um, we're headed towards those times. So as we head towards that, 
Remember that when this world is dissolved, all the stuff is gone. The only thing that matters is people. So what is our investment in people? What's another thing we should see? We should see to be diligent. Diligent in what? Diligent in finding to be found in peace, to be without spot, to be blameless, and then to not lose our steadfastness. That, that is so, so easy to do with, man, I don't want to do, it's so hard. Yeah, it's hard because the world is going 100 miles an hour the wrong direction these days. So let's see to those things. So with that, we'll I'll pray and then I'll turn things over to the pastor. Dear Father, I thank you for your goodness to us. I thank you for just the patterns in Scripture and how there's just natural things that you want us to look at. And Lord, help us to notice those when we read our Bible. Help us to pay attention. I thank you for how you spoke to me about just... just uh, watching how what words I say and being blameless. And Lord, help us to strive for that. I thank you for your goodness to us. In your name I pray. Amen.